Welcome to the Resolved Podcast, where you can find truth through God's word that will inspire and strengthen you as you determine to lead a life worthy of your calling. Have you ever noticed how God's word seems to contradict itself sometimes? I've learned that it's always my misunderstanding or something I'm missing. God's word is never the problem. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 20. At this point in scripture, the ruler of Judah was King Jehoshaphat, a descendant of King David. Three armies had united and were coming against him. God told Jehoshaphat and his people, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours. God did, however, tell them to show up. This is what God said. This is 2 Chronicles 20, verse 16 and 17. He said, Tomorrow, march out against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. As they made their way to the battlefield, Jehoshaphat appointed singers to go ahead of the army, singing and praising God. King Jehoshaphat was a man who both loved God and obeyed him. He was probably familiar with this verse. This is Isaiah 42, 12 and 13. Let the whole world glorify the Lord. Let it sing his praise. The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. He will shout his battle cry and crush all his enemies. Scripture tells us that at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting against themselves. Let's see what they found when they arrived at the battlefield. This is what it says, 2 Chronicles 20, 24. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Imagine with me what that would have been like. First of all, I would have been mortified at the sight of all those dead bodies. Although I am quite certain that would not have been out of the ordinary for them. Have you read the Old Testament? I don't know. Why was everybody's solution to just kill everybody? I don't know. But we get to exercise our faith in the goodness of God when we read the Old Testament. All right. Now let's look at a verse that seems contradictory. It is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. It says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violence in this scripture refers to spiritual warfare, advancing against darkness. The violent that take it by force are God's people. In the first verse, we see God tell his people to stand still and let him fight for them. But now we see the need to fight ourselves. There seems to be a contradiction, but notice that they are similar. They both require standing and showing up. In one case, God called his children to stand still and trust him as he fought for them. In the other, Jesus told them to fight. So how do we know which one to do when? Do we stand and praise God as he fights for us? Or do we take up our sword and engage in the battle? There is no perfect answer. The good news is we have a 50-50 chance. (laughs) But you guys, there may be days within the same battle that God leads us to simply stand while we offer praise, and then other days he leads us to draw our sword. 
Pastor Bill Johnson suggests that perhaps in one case, God is teaching us our identity as a child of God when he fights for us. In the other, he is teaching us our authority as we fight. We have authority because Jesus gave us authority in his name. In Luke 10, 19, scripture tells us that Jesus gave us authority over all the power of the enemy. When we recognize an attack from Satan, we can certainly pray and ask for God's grace to help us, but Jesus gave us authority to send Satan crawling away with his tail between his legs. Some of us have felt uncertain about taking such authority, feeling as if it's not ours to take. Listen, pretend you got promoted at work and your boss gave you authority over others on the job. If there was some disciplinary action to take, would you go to your boss and ask him to handle it for you? No, your boss would expect you to use the authority he gave you to handle the problem. That's why he gave it to you. We need to take the authority that Jesus gave us in confidence. We need it to advance so that we can successfully carry out God's call on our lives. Whether the Lord leads us to praise or fight, in both scenarios, we stand. Maybe, like me, you've had times when you don't feel like standing at all to praise or fight. Our enemy has one purpose, to knock us down and try to keep us from standing back up. We're not the only ones. I don't know about you, but it encourages me when someone else messes up like I do, especially when it's a hero like King David. When David's son Absalom had been killed, scripture tells us he covered his face with his hands and kept on crying. That's 2 Samuel 19.4. David was overcome with grief. But you guys, Absalom, he kind of had it coming. He was a bad dude. He turned the people of Israel against David by conspiring against him, his own father. Joab, David's military commander, the one who killed Absalom, rebuked David. He confronted the king and said, You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. That's 2 Samuel 19, 6-7. The very next verse says, So the king got up. David humbled himself and took Joab's advice. What would have happened if he didn't? I hope David thanked Joab. We all need those people in our lives that care enough to tell us to get up. I don't mean to just physically get up, but that our soul within us stands up and wills to not give up. I'll never forget the day my mom delivered a dose of tough love. She was my Joab. When I was 13, my dad left unexpectedly. I experienced what depression was for the first time. My mom did everything she could for me. She let me stay home from school to be with her. She gave me countless pep talks in an attempt to encourage me. She brought me to counseling. None of it worked. I often met my mother in her sanctuary, her sewing room. It was a sure place to have her attention. Her sewing room had two big desks with multiple sewing machines and a full wall of shelves that reached the ceiling full of fabric. As I sat at her second desk having another pep talk, she said, Jamie, you need to pick yourself up off the floor. It caught me off guard, but it was just what I needed to hear. 
I'm sure there was more to the conversation than that. But as an adult, it's all I remember. It's all that mattered at that point. There's a time and a place for pep talks, but there comes a time when it just doesn't serve us well anymore. The longer we're down there, the harder it is to get up. Another sure way to get up is to look across the field and witness someone else's battle. Self is something that we do very well. Everywhere we turn, there we are. Our responsibilities, our schedule, our children, our spouse, our problems, our joys, our perspective. By default, we are all wrapped up in us. I wouldn't call that selfish. It's just a reality. If we aren't intentionally getting out of ourselves, we'll spend all our time there. Before I continue, let me clarify to you what I'm not saying. I am not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves. If we were to spend every day giving and serving while denying ourselves of our own needs, we would run dry without anything left to give. I enjoy my quiet time with a hot cup of tea and time in scripture, a good book in my hammock, a quiet dip in the hot tub, or honestly, just kicking everybody out of the house for a while. I need these times. My family's lives depend on these times. With that said, I want to take a glimpse into a particular mom's battle. A few years ago, during the early stages of our fixer-upper, that included a rat infestation that required scrubbing rat urine from under my stove and out of my heating vents and caused me to be a prisoner in my husband's recliner with my feet off the ground, I read Lisa Bevere's book, Lioness Arising. In her book, she shared a story that both grieved me and convicted me. While Lisa was ministering to women in a brothel, a young mom begged her to take her eight-year-old daughter with her when she left because the young girl had to hide under the bed while she serviced clients. I have a 10-year-old daughter. I cannot imagine the desperation to get my daughter out of such a horrific environment and at the cost of possibly never seeing her again. I just can't. How can I hear something like this and feel sorry for myself? This woman would have given anything to be in my position, rats and all. Perspective? Yeah, it's important. How about I get off Facebook, plagued with pictures of friends' brand new, orderly, beautiful houses, and put my attention to how I can help those walking through harder times than myself? Perspective has created such a conviction in me that I don't have permission to lose it. I don't have permission to complain about my inconveniences when I've watched a friend lose a child or a family member lose their battle to cancer, leaving behind her husband and two teenage daughters. And my honorable refusal to my own pity party comes as I look into the eyes of a grieving mother whose child is addicted to heroin. It doesn't mean my struggles aren't important. They are. God cares. And he hears my prayers just as loudly as the cries of the mom trying to protect her daughter. He is faithful to us both. And when we ache, he aches. If you have a child or niece or nephew, let's say they come off the bus from a day of kindergarten and tears are running down their sweet face as they tell you that someone at school told them they were ugly or stupid or fill in the blank. A person never thinks they will feel the need to punch an eight-year-old until that short punk messes with your baby. As you watch the tears run down their face, are you hurting with them? Of course. With God, it's the same way. I'm not suggesting God is going to sock someone in the face for you. However, he is also your vindicator, but that's his business. But God also wants us to feel each other's pains and joys. 
Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When we're stuck in a victim, poor me mentality, the most powerful thing we can do is stand up and encourage somebody else. It could be as simple as a handwritten note to our neighbor or as big as fostering a child and showing them what love looks like or hopping on a plane and ministering the love of Jesus to orphans on the other side of the planet. Maybe that someone in our lives who needs the tangible love of God is a student in our class, our grandchild, our teenage son's friend, or the eight-year-old punk who is asking for a bloody nose. There is always someone close by who's walking through something harder than we are, even if we think there's not. We need to get outside of ourselves long enough to become aware of those around us. If our soul is weary, we need to tell it to get up, to choose hope, and get the armor of God on and take our place on the battlefield. We cannot be without our armor. Without it, the enemy has full access to our heart and mind, which affects our entire being. If you're not familiar with the armor of God, let me give you a quick lesson from reading from Ephesians 6. I think it starts at verse 18. It says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits. It goes on to say, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Notice it says, We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, and evil spirits. Often, we are fooled into thinking that our enemy is our boss at work, the friend who betrayed us, or the person lying next to us. But that is not the case. And for a spiritual battle, we need spiritual armor. We're told to have a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, and to take our shield of faith, our helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. It is common practice for many Christians to put their armor on every morning. While it's great to be conscious of the need to have our armor on, it really should never come off in the first place. Instead of reciting that portion of scripture in Ephesians 6 every morning, what if we put our focus to consciously engaging in the battle? Too often we walk around defeated while our armor clanks with no purpose. It just becomes this religious weight that slows us down. We need to actively use the armor God gave us. In my new book, Arise and Shine, I share in detail what each piece of armor is and how to use each one in our everyday life. I want to read you this excerpt from Cindy Trim's book, The Rules of Engagement. I quote, Remember, it is only when you are placed in the middle of a battle or an impossible situation and when there is no one or nothing that can save or deliver you but God that a true warrior is born. Instead of giving up, giving in, or falling prey to the strategies of the enemy, 
Consider your times of struggle, testing, and temptation as divine opportunities to be trained in the art of strategic prayer and spiritual warfare. Be assured that these times are authentic training grounds that God has selected to bring you into true dominion. As it was for David, they just might be the very grounds that God uses to train you for the ultimate event, the maximization of your potential and the fulfillment of purpose. Unquote. For those who love God, He will use all the hard things in our life for good. He is not the author of those things, but He will turn them around and the enemy will regret that He ever messed with us. Jesus said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. May we call on His grace, the power of God to make up for our lack, and allow Him to pull us to our feet. There are great plans that God has called us to. In Ephesians 2.10, scripture tells us that God prepared these plans ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Notice it doesn't say we would walk in them, but that we should walk in them. God did not leave us without the power to choose. As Paul encouraged in Ephesians 4.1, I quote, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Unquote. By the empowerment of God, through His Holy Spirit, our job is to show up and stand our ground because the battle is won on our feet. If you would like to learn more about the armor of God and how to take your place in authority on the battlefield so you can overcome the power of your enemy and live in the fullness of your divine purpose, I encourage you to get my new book, Arise and Shine. You can get it by visiting my website at jamienthompson.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please rate and subscribe. I'd also love to get your feedback and hear from you. You can share this message through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and my website at jamienthompson.com. Until next time.